gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As our listeners to the Paracast know, when we begin to set up the broadcast, we briefly talk to our guest. Our guest this week is Trey Hudson. He's author of The Meadow Project, Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. And we had a couple of things in common. Number one is Trey doesn't live far from a place where I used to live many years ago. When I had my first radio job at WPID Radio in Piedmont, Alabama, and this was really, really years ago. I mean, Trey was like a babe in arms. And the interesting story about that is simple. As people know, when you do radio, you are fired from your job more often than you're kept on. So here's how I was fired. I think I was doing a decent job. So the owner of the station who was being manager decided to hire a separate manager. And the manager then decided to hire his nephew who needed the job. And here I am, newly married, my first radio job, and after one day's notice, I no longer have that radio job. But that is one remembrance of Piedmont, Alabama. The other is that we were talking about some of the similarities in our background Trey and I, and we, I mentioned the word Brothers in Arms, which, of course, is the 1985 album from Dire Straits, one of the first albums to be recorded all in digital. Now, if you don't remember the album, Money for Nothing is the big hit record. The other, of course, is Walk of Life, where, which is actually a song that honors Chuck Berry, the Walk of Life, his duck walk. Randall had a lot to say because Randall's done some recording himself of music. Yeah, I've been into music for a long time since I was in my teens. And, you know, I remember when Brothers in Arms came out. I, I got the vinyl. It was awesome sounding, excellent production on it. But the CDs then just didn't seem as good. Now it's the other way around, I think. And the CDs tend to sound better, but everybody's going back to vinyl. Well, here's part of the problem with early CDs. They used the LP production masters and just went to digital, and you don't do that. And the reason you don't do that is when you master a vinyl recording, you have to adapt the, the EQ or equalization to the limits of vinyl. If you have too much bass, of course, then the record might skip, things like that. I mean, literally speaking, my wife did a demo recording. We decided to press the vinyl, and the guy who did the mastering, told me that he checked the sample on a $20 record player to make sure it didn't skip. <laughs> By the way, the person who did it was a guy named Bob Ludwig, who was one of the most famous mastering engineers, not because of anything he did for us, but we all have heard of him. That's what they did. It could not skip. So they had to make adjustments. With digital, if you don't smooth the equalization Digital sounds harsh. Why are we talking about this? Okay, Trey Hudson, what got you involved in writing a book about the paranormal? Oh, that's a great question. I've always been interested in the paranormal ever since, you know, you said I, I was a babe back in the day. Uh, when I was growing up in a very impressionable youth, there were several TV shows back in the 70s that dealt with, uh, you know, paranormal subject matter. One was the very, very good and uh, very well-known In Search Of television show uh, hosted by the, the legendary Leonard Nimoy. 
as a, an impressionable youth, as this was you know coming on and just I was absorbing it like some sort of little maladaptive sponge. Uh, I was just intrigued by this stuff. You know, every time I saw a new episode, you know, be it on cryptids or UFOs or missing persons or whatever, I just thought this was really, really neat. You know, it, it had mystery. It had adventure. It had the unknown. It really had everything. And there was also another show that came on uh, during this time called Project UFO, which was a, a highly dramatized recounting of the, the famous Blue Book cases. And so, you know, I was, you know, an impressionable youth getting all of this stuff just dumped on me. And then you had uh, the 70s were the the absolute golden age of Bigfoot docudramas. You know, all of this stuff, you know, really, really set the spark into the paranormal. So I've had a, a healthy, inquisitive interest in this stuff ever since I was uh, a very young boy. Now, just for our listeners' reference, Project UFO was produced by Jack Webb. Yep. The creator of the police procedural with... Dragnet, every police procedural today that we see, Law and Order, SVU, even FBI, any of these shows, Chicago PD, they are all based to some degree on Dragnet, how things were done by Jack Webb. And Jack Webb was like amazing. He was producer, he was writer, he was director, he was star, and he had a real interest in UFOs. Very much so. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the Project UFO uh, opening sequence, Jack Webb actually narrates it on both seasons. So, you know, he, he was very interested in the, uh, the subject and felt like it should get the, uh, the attention and the respect that it deserved. I have to ask you something about when you were watching uh, In Search of, if you remember the UFO episode, I've been searching for years trying to find somebody else that this may have happened to. But do you recall that episode being interrupted partway through by Leonard Nimoy saying that he had special footage of a UFO that he wanted to show the audience? I do not recall that. However, I did just order from one of the major online retailers the complete series of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. So I will certainly investigate that as a, as a good researcher would. That, yeah, I'd really appreciate that if you happen to run across it, because I remember it happening when it aired, and I haven't been able to find anyone else who's seen that clip, because it, just, it came on and it said, we're, we're interrupting the show to bring you a special segment featuring film footage of a UFO in and around an archaeological dig. Oh, wow. And, and this was crystal clear it was black and white footage but it was crystal clear uh, on this and it then all of a sudden the tvd went to static and then and the show was over and i have not been able to find anyone else who's seen it so if it happens to be in there please let us know oh i will definitely now you've got my interest peaked this may be one of those mandela effect episodes where people like remember things differently by whether the character Dolly in the movie Moonraker, Jaws' girlfriend, had regular teeth or braces. Speaking of bracing for things, okay, obviously we know the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, an area where supposedly it's one of those portal areas or window areas where lots of things happened. What is the South's Skinwalker Ranch? It is a uh, also an area, you know, an epicenter of high strangeness that we started investigating uh, back earnestly in 2016. 
And we really kind of stumbled into this area because we were looking into just general folkloric anecdotal stories of, uh, you know, cryptids in this area and so on and so forth. My background really is more of a paranormal investigator than a cryptid or ufologist. And once we started looking at this meadow, which was adjacent to an area that we were uh, researching, and we thought, well, here's a nice meadow. It's very open. Uh, it's, you know, very uh, remote. We're not going to be disturbed here. It would be a good place for us to set up our field research just because it was such a nice location. And then we started having all this this, this epic high strangeness. And once I started cataloging this stuff, you know, as we came back from each expedition, I noticed, you know, we had reports of and, and sightings of UFOs, cryptids, uh strange beings or, or entities of light or energy, uh, missing time, you know, unexplained phenomena, uh, a mysterious, almost like a men in black kind of uh, encounter. And I started stacking these uh, events on top of one another. I thought this area rivals the legendary Skinwalker Ranch. Let me break it here. Okay. Now we're getting in there. Trey Hudson, author of Explorations into the South's Skinwalker Ranch. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. If you've been following the markets, then you know how huge the automation markets are becoming. Robotics, autonomous cars, and enterprise automation services are revolutionizing entire industries. The bottom line is that automation is powering the future. And you can find out which companies are leading the charge with your free subscription to Avid Biotech Stock Trends when you text the word TREND to 48542. We've identified a cutting-edge company that's leading the industry in creating the next generation of robotics and automation. Get this cutting-edge intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device when you text the word TREND to 48542. Get ahead of the curve on robotics and automation industry leaders with your free research from Biotech Stock Trends. Text the word TREND to 48542. Text TREND to 48542. Text the word TREND to 48542. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. 
We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Trey, the 24-carat question here. Mm -hmm. Where is the South Skinwalker Ranch located? Okay, I will need a verbal statement of non-disclosure from both of you. And there's a reason for that. But all the listeners would have to sign it, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep the location as inviolate as possible. You know, we saw what happened with, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. Once that story started coming out in the mid-2000s, the owners of that property in United County, Utah, you know, be it, Bigelow or Brandon Fugel or whomever, they have to keep a large security force on site just to keep people off of it. And you have some people that would come in there and do serious research. You have some people that would come there looking for a cheap thrill. And you have some people that would come in trying to hoax everybody else. Keeping all of this in mind, I made a hard decision. And that decision was to try to keep this location as secret as possible. And that's not out of a lack of respect for anybody or me just trying to be cruel or mean, but it's trying to keep the site as inviolate as I can. So our research isn't tainted you know, we're not harassed unnecessarily while we're doing our research. So we can continue to enjoy and uh, be able to recount these amazing stories, hopefully for years to come. Can you give us a rough idea, though, you know, Absolutely. what state it's in? Uh, it is south of the Mason-Dixon line, and it is east of Arizona. Okay. <laughs> Hence the South Skinwalker Ranch. I am not comfortable in giving the state. 
you know, folks are just going to have to, you know, understand my reasoning behind that. All of the, uh, the locations in the books, the various names and road numbers and all of that are all uh, changed. They're all fictitious names. The, uh, the area that all of this happens, I call the Blackwater Nature Preserve, which is, uh, once again, also fictitious. It is, a, it is on public land. Uh, on a nature preserve or you know some sort of public forested area, but other than that, I'm not really comfortable disclosing anything else. Okay, I was just wondering about that because you know we've got an advanced copy here, and I mean there are two different Blackwater preserves, so now everybody's just going to go there instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a bit of a sleight of hand. You know the lo- the, the locations in the book, like uh, the Coal Springs Campground, Baskins Hollow Hunt Camp. Uh, you know, Stevens Lake, all of those are uh, fictitious names for, albeit real places. You know, the names are uh, purely out of my imagination. Now, there's a photograph I noticed in the book mm-hmm. on page 21, a color photo. Is that taken in the actual area? Uh, I, you must have the uh, digital copy. What is, uh, what is the photograph? And I'll tell you. Okay, the picture, obviously page breaks are different in the yeah. digital version. Okay, right. this was the August 2012 hike. It shows right. a Jeep. Yes. Yes, that, that was taken. Uh, that, that's my Jeep. And that was taken in an area where I first started uh, researching strange uh, stories, you know, from this, this region. You know, it's, uh, it's a region that has high strangeness. And the meadow, like I said before, is an epicenter. So this, uh, yeah, this particular photograph was taken, uh, you know, on site. That's a real photograph. And uh, if you notice the the street sign, I have blurred out. But yeah, that is uh, that is a, an actual place. Of course, I assume someone who's an expert at geography might be able to infer some locations from this. But we're not going to take them any further down that rabbit hole. Right. Right. Okay. So let's continue with the discovery. So this is a place that attracted all sorts of places. What made you decide then? to get involved in the kind of research that would ultimately end up with a book? Well, we, uh, like I said, we started researching this, this region, this area, you know, the bigger picture. And the, uh, the photograph that you're referring to in the book with my Jeep was on what had been explained to me, uh, and I had someone relay it to me, as a haunted road, you know, as a road that, you know, the locals say, oh, don't ever go down there at night. You know, you'll have all kinds of, you know, specters, you know, come out of the woods and harass you and all of that. And of course, you know, that's like waving a red flag in front of a bull with me. I'm like, okay, well, I've got to go there. And how this all kind of broke down was very interesting. We had set up at a a campsite, a remote campsite. And in the book, I refer to it as the Coal Springs Campground. And this particular road, Haunted Road, was about 30 miles south of the campsite where we uh, had set up base of operations. Okay, go on, please. While we were out, we uh, had gone into Nary to research this haunted road, and we thought maybe it was tied in with some of the uh, the stories of Bigfoot and the reports of uh, you know cryptids in the area. And my research partner and I, uh, you know, were on this very remote wor- road, and we heard a uh, quail whistle, you know, a Bob White whistle, at high elevation in the wintertime. And we thought, well, this you know has to be something anomalous, you know, quail or a lowland bird, not a bird that lives at high altitude and certainly wouldn't be active during the wintertime. And so we were very excited about this. And once we uh, started to return back to our campsite, you know, 30 miles uh, to the north, we got on our radio and were able to hit a repeater and talk back to base camp. 
And our base camp operator uh, told us that he had a remarkable story to tell us. So we, you know, we're, we're intrigued. We were wondering what the remarkable, you know, event was that he needed to tell us, uh, you know, tell us about was. And when we got there, he relayed a story to us. And this really cemented this this location as an epi- epicenter of high strangeness. Uh, he said that while we were out there doing our research many miles away, uh, he had had drank coffee and all on the cold, you know, cold evening and felt a need to go relieve himself and had stepped out behind the camp. And I'll paint a picture for everybody. It was a, a very dark night, overcast, rainy and cold. You know, one of those just icky kind of nights. So he's taking care of his business, gets done, and he's kind of looking out, you know, through the woods, and he sees the moon come up or the moon appear, you know, a white glowing orb. And he's thinking to himself, well, great, I can see the full moon now. That must mean the clouds have cleared off. The, the weather is going to be much better. Maybe we'll have a nice, bright, dry evening. And he was, you know, rather uh, pleased with that. And then much to his chagrin, the moon started moving to his left. Now, in most parts of the world that I've been, uh, the moon doesn't move sideways. You know, so this really got his attention. So the moon moved, you know, several degrees, you know, to his left and stopped. And while he's watching this, he notices a small pinprick appear right in the middle of this luminous orb. And this pinprick started growing larger and larger and larger, almost like the iris of a camera until he was finally left with a white circle or glowing circle, much like the uh, necklace of diamonds effect during an eclipse. And eventually that winked out. Prior to this, he had seen a beam of light shoot down and hit the ground prior to him seeing this orb. Now, he was thinking that this was lightning, but for some reason it didn't emit any kind of thunder. So the book is called The Metal Project Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch, the author with us is Trey Hudson. The forward to the book was written by Angelia Shear. She's MUFON's 2019 Field Investigator of the Year. And by the way, Trey will be back on this weekend's edition of After the Paracast. That show only available if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to the Paracast.plus for more information. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced Saturday that FEMA will begin to assist with housing the influx of unaccompanied minors at the southern border. In a statement, Mayorkas said that a Border Patrol facility is no place for a child and that FEMA would work to receive, shelter, and transfer unaccompanied minors until their immigration case can be processed. The Secretary's directive is for the next 90 days as border agencies deal with a record number of illegal border crossings, many of them being unaccompanied minors. Representative John Kako says adding those responsibilities to FEMA will take away resources from their vaccination efforts. The New York Republican tells Fox News that the order could impact many Americans. That crisis was created by Biden's executive order, so there's no doubt the disorder at the border was by executive order, and now they're peeling away precious resources from FEMA and American citizens who need to get injected have their vaccines and get the uh, personal protection equipment everything, uh, maybe may going to suffer because of the lack of attention. This is USA Radio News. The FDA is warning of false positives with COVID testing. The Food and Drug Administration issued the warning on Friday to facilities using Roche Diagnostics COBUS test. The system is widely used to screen large batches of test samples in hospitals and laboratories for both the coronavirus and flu. The agency warns that problems with the tests processing tubes could result in a false diagnosis and urge healthcare workers to run samples through multiple times to assure accuracy. From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. And Italy is set to begin a new round of lockdowns a year after the coronavirus first hit the nation. The government says it's trying to contain a new surge in cases fueled by new, more contagious variants. On Saturday, the country recorded more than 26,000 new coronavirus cases. In half of at least 20 regions, new restrictions begin on Monday, with non-essential shops closed and people allowed to leave their homes only for work or health reasons. The entire country will go under those restrictions over the Easter weekend. This is USA Radio News. Attention real estate investors. Do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you you want if you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch we can help you turn your equity into fast cash call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need 800-507-6553 800-507-6553 that's 800-507-6553 This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Trey Hudson joining us, and he will be hanging out for after the Paracast, too. We're talking about the South Skinwalker Ranch 
And his first discoveries is something weird. The game was afoot. Trey, let's continue with that description of that strange thing that was being seen. Oh, absolutely. The game was afoot. I mean, it was not only a game was afoot, it was two feet. You know, the game was a feat. And we had this strange uh, orb appearing at our base camp, which really, really, really obviously intrigued us. And the rest of the... uh, the weekend was was uneventful. We had set up several uh, remote campsites to see, you know, if we could detect anything or find anything. And once again, we were kind of focusing on the sort of cryptid angle. And while we were there, we noticed that there was a large field, which would be a very good place for us to do our research. You know, it was open and, like I said earlier, you know, remote and would be a good place for us to set up some uh, nighttime operations. That was January of 2016, and we decided to return in July of that year, July of 2016. And we started really focusing on this field. We thought perhaps if there was, you know, any cryptid activity, we could see maybe, you know, footprints in the field or compressed vegetation or anything like that. So we thought it would be really cool to focus on this meadow. At this point, the meadow was with a lowercase m, and eventually becomes the meadow with a uh, uppercase M, and the listeners will, will understand why I call it the meadow. We decided that evening in uh, 2016, on our uh, the weekend that we were visiting it, to uh, conduct our nighttime operations. And what we decided to do was to set up several teams in the meadow, in this large field. Each team would be equipped with a radio, and several teams were equipped with uh, FLIR thermal scopes so they could see heat signatures of various things out in the forest. Our idea was having these teams set up in the field, we were going to have a single uh, ridge runner, a uh, gentleman walk along the top of a ridge, which is just to the south of the meadow, and if there was anything there, either he could A, see it from his higher vantage point, or B, possibly drive it down into the meadow below that we could capture with our equipment. So we set up in the meadow, uh, and we're waiting for uh, our gentleman who was going to walk the ridge to start his uh, action traversing the ridge, and he came on the radio and he said, hey guys, I've something just happened. And, of course, we were, you know, very curious. And we'll say, you know, well, what's going on? He said, I reached X, which was a a well-known landmark, you know, there in that area. He says, I reached this landmark, and I don't remember how I got here. We were obviously concerned for his health. You know, we have several paramedics on our team, and they said, you know, do you have bilateral feeling in, you know, both of your hands, or is anything numb? You know, can you grimace? Are you dizzy? Do you have a headache, et cetera, thinking that maybe he had an aneurysm, stroke, or some other you know, neurological condition? And he said, no, I'm fine. I feel okay. I just don't remember how I got here. Most of the folks on our team are very type A kind of folks. You know, We want to get the mission done. We want to continue with what we're doing. So he said, I'm fine. Just let me go ahead and walk this ridge. We'll go ahead and continue with what our, uh, our objectives were this evening. So he uh, walked along the top of the ridge. To no avail, nothing really happened. It was very quiet. He dropped down off the ridge into the west end of the meadow and started moving east. At this time, one of our teams picked him up on their FLIR uh, scope, their FLIR uh, monocular. They could see his heat signature, man-shaped heatness signature, walking across the meadow heading towards them. And as they're watching him on their monocular, they see his heat signature change from a man-shaped figure to a sphere or ball or energy or some sort of heat signature that's round in nature. 
and move across the meadow at a very high speed. And we estimated it to be at about 25 miles an hour and then stop and turn back into a man-shaped figure, he signature. So they quickly got on the radio and asked this gentleman, whose name was Bob, they said, Bob, are you okay? And as they're watching him through their FLIR, they see him, you know, the, the heat signature pick up his radio and respond, yes, I'm fine. Why? And they said, maybe you should come over here and let's talk about it. So Bob meandered back over to the team and, you know, said, what's up? I'm going to pause here and tell you about these two team members that witnessed this. One team member uh, has a degree from the Georgia Institute of Technology, Georgia Tech, has a master's degree, and has been a lifelong paramedic. So a very solid, feet-on-the-ground kind of guy. His fellow team member also had a degree from Georgia Tech in physics with a dual degree in philosophy and was a former U.S. Army Ranger that served in the Ranger Regiment. So two really solid, no-nonsense kind of guys. So they started explaining to Bob what they had seen. You know, we saw you turn into a sphere of energy and move several miles per hour and then turn back into yourself. Bob said, I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is I was just walking along the field coming to you. Nothing was out of the ordinary. But these two gentlemen observed it. So, you know, we wonder, even to this day, whose perception was altered? Was it the fellow who was walking and was witnessed turning into a ball of energy or was the perception of the observers what was changed who had the weird thing happen to them the observers or the subject so to this day we we really don't even have the answer to that question that's just one of one of many a couple of quick questions here sure while we while we're going through this so this this place that you're calling the meadow there's it's it, there, it's more of a region. There is a meadow, like a specific place you're calling the epicenter, which is in a region that was already known for having some paranormal activity, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. and so then you guys all decide to go out and investigate further. So you're kind of you're prepared to to have a closer look at this. One of your guys sees this glowing moon-like orb. Did he get a picture of it or anything? Well, no. Like I said, he was uh, had drank a lot of coffee that evening and was uh, back behind the camp taking care of some uh, natural business. And one usually doesn't have a camera with them when they do that. Which some people do, but that would be a little weird. But uh, so he didn't have a camera with him, you know. And he was just so mesmerized by this, he just stood there in awe, you know, watching this this orb. You know, move across the sky, and it's it's one of those kind of things. You know, do I break off the observation, go get my camera, and then come back and hope that it's still there, or do I just stand here and watch it and try to recount as much information as possible and be a good witness? So that's you know that's kind of a judgment thing. But no, he did not uh, get any photograph or video of the orb. Okay, yeah, no, I mean it's just that if you're out investigating, you know, you'd think people would be prepared and have a camera with them. I could see the average person not having a camera with them. Actually, I could see the average person having their cell phone with them at all times, at least a cell phone. But you know, if you're specifically investigating something, you'd think you'd be ready to get that picture, right? But anyway, yeah, absolutely, and the uh, the the whole issue was we were not expecting anything to happen at base camp you know base camp was just base camp it was somewhere to park our gear and you know the, the action would happen while we were off investigating somewhere else well we were absolutely wrong on that and uh you know i've been on many 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 investigations before not only just here but other places 
And a lot of times the things happen so fast that you're not able to get it photographed or you're not keeping your equipment running because as it runs and records, A, you're eating up uh, storage space, which you could run out of storage space and something interesting happened once you've done that, but you would be out of luck or you run your battery down. Oh, yeah. I I mean, we've heard this kind of thing quite a few times from people who are very experienced and have gone out and seen things, and they were so mesmerized by their experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That they just completely, you know, they just didn't take the picture. And, you know, for the skeptics, and we have to be a little bit skeptical here, you know, because they're going to ask these kind of questions. Then there's the whole idea of just the secrecy of the place. Like, Right. They're going to say, well, how do we know you guys weren't out there and you're just making all this up so that you can, you know, maybe write a book and 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 so on. Like, like, how is is there any way that someone who is really genuinely interested in this would be able to get a hold of you guys? Let's break it here. More to come with Trey, Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 800-503-8625 for over 20 years extendivite has been helping people here is a testimonial from amazon.com glad i found this product i am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week i went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95 I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately, I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So before we end our previous segment featuring Trey Hudson, author of The Metal Project, Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch, Randall asks a telltale question, since the actual location of this place is being kept a secret. Do you want to pick up on that, Randall? Yeah, because we hear quite a bit about some of these places where people, you know, they claim these things are happening and then the next thing you know, they're they're doing these private tours and then they're making money off that and and so the skeptics are like, well, you know, is it, are these guys for real or not? Now, so suppose a serious researcher wanted to join you guys on on having a look at this place. Would you guys be open to that? Absolutely. We've had guest researchers before. As recently as last month, the uh, middle part of February, we had two guest researchers come with us. The only thing is they, you know, I, I need to talk to them to make sure they are serious researchers and they need to sign a non-disclosure statement about the exact location. The only thing that I asked from my fellow researchers and I've had researchers from out of state that have had just, you know, absolutely phenomenal uh, encounters is they don't disclose the location. As far as the actual events and the experience, that's fair game. You know, I, I want that to be talked about. Uh, so we have a stack of affidavits from individuals that have had these experiences. They are individuals from various states, various places, various backgrounds. And if you start drilling down into the background of uh, my primary team members, you know, my background is, I think, pretty solid. Uh, we have you know people in the medical field. We have former law enforcement officers. We have former folks from special operations community. Uh, we have a, a uh, young lady who is a emergency room nurse. 
So the thing that makes this unique, in my opinion, is not only the strangeness of the experiences, but the quality of the experiencers is these are very solid, down-to-earth, professional people experiencing some absolutely remarkable events. Interesting. And you didn't charge these people any kind of a fee to take them up there or anything like that? Yeah, no, no, okay. absolutely not. And, and that in itself is is fairly impressive because you know that there are you know, certain individuals, which will go unnamed here, that, that do that sort of thing. But, I mean, if you guys are doing this and you're not even really making any money off it, I think that tends to lend some credibility to your efforts. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, we are self-funded. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we have all have a series of uh, FLIR units which are personally bought, uh, night vision cameras, which once again are personally bought. Uh, we have two psionics uh, color night vision cameras, which are once again personally bought. So, yeah, we're actually losing money on this endeavor uh, versus making it. Now, the FLIR unit you were talking about, uh, did, are, do they have the ability to record uh, yes. within them? Okay. So yes. did you guys get this uh, this? transformation of your team member into the ball of light uh, on the recording? Uh, unfortunately not. It was it's, it's one of those things. Once again, you know, you can't keep the equipment running all the time because you'll eat up your storage space and run the battery down. When the uh, individual, the team member, Daryl was his name, when he brought the FLIR unit up, he's just watching one of his fellow researchers walk across, you know, this field. You know, nothing out of the ordinary. He's just saying, okay, there's my other team member. I want to have uh, visibility on him. I want to know where he's at. And then he just turns into this ball of energy and scoots across the field and then turns back into a human being. It just happened so fast and was so bizarre and caused such a degree of concern over our team member. Once again, like you mentioned it, sometimes you're just so mesmerized you forget to, uh, to hit record, or you have a, a case where the, the shock of it causes your hands to turn into giant flippers and you can't hit those small buttons. <laughs> and so when he rematerialized back into his normal cell, mm-hmm. uh, and then he approached you from the location, or did you approach him? or uh, he, he approached my two team members, Daryl and Tim. He moved to them, and they started explaining you know what they had witnessed, and... You know, the subject, Bob, said, I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. So, in other words, this this ball of light then rematerializes into your team member, and he comes to you from that location. Because here's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. At first, well, maybe some other phenomena came along and kind of blocked him out and then went on, you know, it just made it look like he had, he had morphed into this ball. But, I mean, if that's the case, then he would not have approached you from where that ball had Terminated. stopped. Exactly. So, I mean, this is sounding – right. okay, so what did you guys think about this at that point then? Well, you know, we were a little concerned, you know, obviously. Absolutely amazed and intrigued. You know, this is something that's absolutely phenomenal that's happening at this location is it. You know, like I talked about before, you know, whose perception was changed? Was it the observer? Was it the subject? What's special about this place? So, you know, we decided that we would continue to investigate this uh, this area. 
the rest of the evening went by without any kind of uh, you know, strangeness or anything else, you know, kind of quiet. And the next morning, as we were uh, all preparing our, our breakfasts and gathering around and talking and discussing things among ourselves, Bob came up, up to us and he had a GPS. Now, to give you a little bit of background on Bob, he served a number of years in law enforcement, retired, a retired law enforcement officer. He also uh, spent many of those years working extreme backcountry search and rescue in the California, you know, the kind of things where they would helicopter him in with a uh, search dog, drop him off, and they would search for missing persons and things like that, and then helicopter the victim out, and he would have to make his way back on foot with his dog. So he's a, a superbly skilled woodsman, you know, and has been in some very hairy situations before in extreme wilderness. One of the things that Bob does is on his GPS unit, he always records what they call breadcrumbs or his track. So his, his GPS is continuously recording his location so he can go back and look at where he's been uh, at a later time. So Bob came to us that morning with his GPS and he goes, I want to show you something. I just pulled up the data on the tracks that I uh, you know, was on last night and he pulls it up and he zooms it, you know, pulls it, zooms it out to where he has a much, much, much larger uh, field of view on his uh, map on his GPS and what it shows was several straight lines, two to four kilometers in length. That was supposedly was his track. Now, the crazy thing is you can't move in a straight line over this terrain. It's impossible. It's too rugged. So the only way that Bob could have moved in a straight line or his GPS moved in a straight line is if he was in the air. That sounds very interesting. Going back to the previous one where your your team member turned into the ball of light, you were saying that he seemed to speed up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, I, I threw a flare. If a person's got a small light source and they are shining it in your direction, uh, that might, you know, cause that kind of an effect, but it wouldn't cause them to speed up to the point. Now, you were saying he could not have covered the ground. No. No, in the amount of time either. So, okay, so we've got some rather interesting and, and not easily explained phenomena happening uh, here. Right. And, uh, you know, something you mentioned about a headlamp, a headlamp, most of our headlamps are now LED. They don't put out heat. So it's not going to register on a FLIR. FLIRs measure heat, not light. Right. Yeah. I mean, I suppose still a person could, you know, a person might have something that would give off that right if, but you know it that doesn't explain why they would be moving faster than they would normally be able to run right either so you know unless you guys were just like thinking oh you know it, it happened and it looked odd and your your measurements were off but you guys all sound a little bit more experienced uh than to be able to make that kind of a mistake right it was uh you know, when we figured out the distance and the amount of time that he uh, you know, covered this distance, we, we calculated it to be about 25 miles an hour. Even the most you know, world-class and seasoned athlete could not move over that terrain at 25 miles an hour. You know, it's just not humanly possible. Okay, so so now you guys, and this is this is your sort of first impressions of this area. You've been back several times since. Oh, many, many times. So let's let's uh, continue with the story. Before we do that, we're going to have to break. 
Trey Hudson's with us. We're looking at the South Skinwalker Ranch. Trivia, guys. I don't know if any of you ever heard the name Lou Ottens, a Dutch inventor who died this week at the age of 94. Never heard of him? He invented the tape cassette. And he supervised the team that developed the compact disc. Talk about trivia. More with Gene, Randall, and Trey. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates this is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates so call right now to learn more 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 call 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You see, folks, we can bring up stuff that may be totally irrelevant. But just think where we'd be, especially those of us who are two or three years older, without the compact disc and the compact cassette. Randall, you want to pursue where you're taking us? And then we'll hear again from Trey. That's exactly where we should pick up, is that we've got a really interesting introduction to a really interesting place. And uh, I'd just like to hear more about some of the things that that you've uh, experienced there, Trey. And... and then maybe get into uh, some ideas about how you might explain it is some of it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, we have all of these very strange things going on. 
We're intrigued by this area, and we decided that it certainly is worth further study. Like a lot of things, it's very hard to get people together into deconflict schedule. So it wasn't until February of 2017 that we were able to return to the meadow. Since we had the uh, the strange phenomena with the individual appearing to turn into a sphere of energy, uh, and then the missing time, we decided that this meadow, this 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 field, should be the focus of our research. That seems to be where things are, are happening. Uh, February 2017, we've ended up in a very cold winter type of expedition, not much vegetation. The reason I'm telling you this is it does come into play later on. Uh, very remote and a somewhat desolate type uh, you know, of environment right there in the middle of the wintertime. We decided to do the same, uh, the same kind of tactics that we used last time, except we weren't going to send an individual out on his own after the missing time in Sphere of Energy situations happening to a lone individual, we changed our uh, protocols a little bit to where nobody would be by themselves. That was really more of a safety thing, that if something bad did happen to them or they had some sort of medical issue, that there would be somebody there with them. So but we decided to put several teams out into the field, uh, once again, equipped with our FLIR units. And this time we had several researchers visiting us from the Carolinas uh, had come down to, to research with us. And we placed them and their FLIR units out in the uh, out in the field. We had three teams, and we were going to have a three-man team once again run across the top of the ridge, drop down into the west end of the meadow, and work their way east. So as the team was moving across the top of the ridge, and I was on that team, uh, one of our team members noticed on his FLIR unit down right at the edge of the uh, the meadow three human-sized heat signatures, you know, vertical, about six foot tall, about 18 inches wide, that melded into one heat signature. So this was our first encounter with some of these energy entities, and I'm just going to use that as a, as a label, you know, these strange anomalous heat signatures. So that certainly got our uh, interest. We dropped down in the meadow and started working our way east, and we received a call on the radio that one of the field teams, which consisted of several members from the Carolinas, uh, were noticing on their FLIR these boxes or cubes forming. By the time he could hit record, these cubes had started to dissipate, but he did uh, was able to make a uh, sketch of it. And so he described them as boxes or cubes that were about 10 meters by 6 by 6 meters. So, you know, these large boxes. And while he was recording that, one of the team members turned to her right and she said, who or what is that? And she has uh, was able to capture this on videos of two more heat signatures watching what they were doing from a, a copse of trees about 30 meters away. And these, once again, were upright heat signatures. Uh, and in the book, and I'm not sure which page uh, on your copy of it, is I have a, a photograph of that, uh, that FLIR footage showing these two anomalies. So by the time our team got over there, these boxes had dissipated. And we stood there and discussed what we were going to do next. And we thought it would be uh, interesting to dispatch a, a, t a three-man team over to where these cubes or boxes were. And this is where the vegetation comes in. 
It's important to realize that this is in the wintertime in a high mountain meadow, no vegetation. Everything is dead. There's nothing to mask or hide your heat signature from this very sophisticated equipment that we were using. So our team approached this uh, area where this cube was, and much to our surprise, they disappeared from the FLIR. They just weren't there anymore. And it was so shocking and so surprising that one of the Carolina researchers who had many, 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 many years of operating FLIR-type equipment in the woods said, did they just disappear? And it was that startling. We were able to capture that on video. And to my knowledge, that's the only video that exists that shows people approaching what might be a portal. And that's just another label, but approaching some sort of anomaly and disappearing from the field of view, be it visually, by light or by heat, in this case, disappearing heat wise. You can't hide from a FLIR unit. You've seen military uh, footage of... uh, Operations in Afghanistan and Iraq, you've seen police footage of fleeing criminals where the FLIR technology is so accurate and so unforgiving that you cannot escape it. But somehow this team was able to escape the peering eyes of this sensitive uh, heat-seeking equipment. Interesting. I mean, to me, I mean, the obvious sort of explanation for me, if we're starting with something that would be more or less within our norms would be some kind of a screen that would be able to to shield your heat signature. And, and we know the military's got that sort of stuff and a bunch of other really strange stuff, like even they're working on holographic type screens and stuff now, too, to camouflage machinery. But you have experience in the military Yes. So, I mean, how do we know this isn't some kind of weird psyops operation with some kind of high tech stuff and they're just out there messing with you guys? Well, when our team approached this area and they disappeared off, you know, off of our equipment, off of the FLIR unit, is they were there. I mean, our team was actually in the area uh, and they witnessed nothing extremely unusual from their perspective. From their perspective, they said that when they approached this area, it just became very dense and very dark. They said it was like a, a very black curtain was around them. But they, you know, they didn't get sick. You know, they weren't dizzy. You know, nothing like that. And when they approached, went into this area where this this anomaly was, is they proceeded to this area unencumbered. You know, they, they didn't run into any briars or brambles or vines or anything like that. Were they able to see you back looking in your direction? No, it was, it was pitch black, and they did were not focusing on us with a night vision or FLIR. They were focusing on you know, their, their mission, which was approaching the anomaly. So they weren't looking back at us. Oh, okay. Because then you would be able to tell if they, you know, you had lost... Right. Um, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, then when they turned around to come back out, they did encounter briars and brambles and vines that they didn't encounter when going in. So it's almost like they stepped into another realm or another existence where these things weren't present. But when it dissipated and they moved out of it. Then they started encountering, you know, the brambles and the briars, et cetera, et cetera. 
So it's like the environment changed somehow or were all, was altered somehow. Okay, so this uh, okay, so listeners, this could be for some of them just going like, okay, this is just way out there. That just can't happen. But that same sort of thing happened to me and three of my friends when we were just young, just sort of preteens out in British Columbia, Canada. I had a very similar experience to exactly that, but it happened to three of us at the same time, and it was still daytime. So uh, strange things happen in the world, and this this to me is really interesting to to hear this account. So carry on. Before we carry on, we've got more to come with Trey, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hey, everybody. If you've ever thought about heirloom beans as a storable survival food, I've got great news. In fact, I'll bet it's the best news you've heard in a while. Here's the thing. We've just received a fresh batch of gourmet heirloom beans, survival soup beans. These beans are gorgeous, highly nutritious, and above all, with no hesitation whatsoever, the best tasting beans in the entire world. The best part? We've dropped the price by 33% this week for listeners who know higher food prices are coming and want an inflation hedge you can actually eat if you want to. Gets even better. With your permission and with a high regard for your health and well-being, I also want to send you two pounds of what we think is the single most underrated superfood in the world, period. Go to SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com, and discover the real reason we're giving this unusual superfood away. At SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you, too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the gold stocks boom in the U.S. markets. More stimulus and higher inflation could potentially drive gold prices to record highs in 2021. And with gold exploration stocks poised to skyrocket in the coming months, you have an opportunity to position your trades with red-hot gold exploration stock opportunities. Text the word GOLD to 48542. Get front row access to market and 
intelligence when you text the word GOLD to 48542 and to set your investment research strategy to hyper-growth mode with your free subscription to the Gold Market Research Report. Text GOLD to 48542 and have this red-hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the most promising gold exploration stocks, then text the word GOLD to 48542. And don't get left behind in 2021. Text GOLD to 48542. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamG'day.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamG'day.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamG'day.com with Longevity. TeamG'day.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're discovering another incredible window or portal area. Trey Hudson's with us. Trey, go ahead, please. Absolutely. We were discussing, you know, the, the, the various uh, team members disappearing from view as we were observing them with this uh, FLIR equipment. To my knowledge, like I said, this is the only known footage of such an event. Uh, you know, just, it's absolutely you know, amazing. So we were very excited that we, A, got to experience this and B, that we actually this time were able to capture it on film. And so once the team disengaged themselves from that area and came back over to where we were all gathered, we were, you know, obviously very excited, you know, very ecstatic. And we started discussing, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to continue to investigate, you know, tonight, you know, since we saw these two cases, two different uh, instances of these strange six foot by 18 inch uh, man shaped, you know, heat signatures where we had no team members. And we had this strange portal or whatever you want to call it appearing and our team members walking into it. Do we want to continue investigating this or do we want to go back to base camp, sit down and do a very detailed after action review an AAR slash debrief and film it while all of this is very fresh on our minds. And so we discussed this back and forth and I made the command decision. We're going to go back and debrief. You know, I think it's that important that we you know recount all this stuff while it's still fresh. About the time we were getting ready to pack up our gear and start heading back, I received a radio transmission from our base camp operator. One of the things that we do is we always have a base camp operator that establishes network control, net control. All of our teams have radio, so we are in constant communication. So we always know where everybody is. We know what everybody's doing. And if there's an emergency, we know how to get to them. So my base camp operator you know, comes on the radio and he says, Trey, there's somebody here that you need to talk to. And I'm like, okay, Glenn, you know, that's not a problem, Glenn. It was our base camp operator that evening. I said, I'll be there and talk to you in a moment. He goes, no, 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 it's not me. You'll find out when you get here. My interest was certainly piqued and was wondering exactly what Glenn was uh, referring to as we made the quarter mile hike back to camp. Once we got to camp, I noticed that there was a woman in camp that wasn't with our group. And here we are in the wintertime in February, very cold in a very remote, 
desolate location, and much to my surprise, there was a businesswoman waiting for me. And this businesswoman was wearing loafers, slacks, a blouse, and a blazer in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, in the wintertime, 1030 at night. <laughs> and, and this, That's a little out of character or out of it, place, isn't it? Uh, just, just a wee bit. So to make it even stranger is this businesswoman wanted our entire team to stop what we were doing and follow her down this remote, deserted road in the nature preserve. And she claimed at the end of this road, there was a structure like a house or a barn. And it was a home to a family of creatures that she called monkey bears. Now, I don't know, you know, that means monkey business or gummy bears or monkey bears or, you know, whatever that is. She wanted us to see whatever these strange creatures were. Now, being a, you know, somewhat suspicious person, you know, by profession, I got a little concerned. Why is this woman wanting us to stop what we're doing and follow her to a very remote location and look for some sort of strange creature? You know, is she setting us up to be robbed? You know, we have very expensive equipment with us. Does she want to get the bulk of the team away so she can have somebody come in and steal our equipment left out of base camp? Something was very wrong about this whole situation. And something was very off about this woman. Uh, in addition to her wanting us to go to this remote uh, road to explore heaven knows what with her, she started asking me about, you know, where did I attend university? And I replied, you know, I attended the University of West Georgia, you know, in Carrollton. And she said, oh, that's strange. I did, too. And she said, well, what was your degree? Uh, what was your field of study? And I said, well, I you know, earned a, a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in anthropology. And she says, oh, that's strange. I have a psychology degree from there also. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, she's, you know, obviously pulling my leg, you know, telling me what she thinks I want to hear. So I decided I would try to trip her up. And I said, really? And I said, you know, that's a very well-respected, world-renowned psychology program. What are some of the professors you had there? And much to my surprise, she started naming off professors that I not only studied with, but I knew personally. And so here we have a businesswoman in the forest in the middle of the wintertime, 1030 at night, you know, in business attire, once again, who went to the same university I did, has the same degree I, de I do, and knows the same people I do. So it, things were, were very, uh, starting to get very weird. And I was getting a little kind of wigged out by all this because it just was so strange. And her demeanor was almost as though she was intoxicated. You know, things were very off. Uh, you know, she had at times problems being coherent. And the, 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 the top everything off is while we were discussing things with her and trying to convince her to go on about her way, she stopped talking and she moved about 20 meters, 20 yards out from our campsite, still within the uh, edge of our lantern light. And she squatted down and urinated in front of us. Bet you didn't expect that. Uh, not in a million years. And we were finally able to convince her to, to move out, to go away. And it's, it disturbed me so much that my friend Tim, who was the U.S. Army Ranger, I said, Tim, do you have your sidearm on you? And he said, yes, I do. I said, well, I do, too. I said, I am very uncomfortable with this whole situation. Let's you and I move about 30 yards outside of camp and just do a perimeter circle around it to see if she left anybody behind. Because we didn't know what 
her goals were. You know, what, what was she trying to accomplish? Oh, great. So now you guys are getting paranoid and you got guns on you. <laughs> and you're out in the middle. Why are you guys doing this in the middle of the night? Have you ever done any daytime explorations of this? Like, did you go back yeah. during daylight to see if there was tracks or yeah. oh, try to figure this out? Absolutely. Anyway, sorry for, okay, so sorry for interrupting. You guys are, you guys are going around to, to check the perimeter. Did you find anything? We did not, you know, and, you know, just to give you an idea, both Tim and I are, you know, are military. So, you know, we're familiar with firearms. It's not like a bunch of hillbillies out there with their shooting arms. You know, we just wanted to make sure that everything was safe. You know, that there were no unpleasant surprises because we were in a very remote area that doesn't even have cellular service. Uh, so everything seemed to be okay. And, uh, you know, we uh, turned in for the evening. And later on, I uh, did some research about this woman. She did give her name. And a individual does exist with her name uh, that matches, you know, the photographs I saw of this person match more or less the person that. And it matched an actual person, and I could never determine if it was a, a professional person having the absolute worst night of their life or if it was somebody mimicking this person. But nevertheless, her activities and the way she appeared matches some of the reports that you hear of the legendary men in black. You know what? We're hitting that score right now, the MIB. Trey, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced Saturday that FEMA will begin to assist with housing the influx of unaccompanied minors at the southern border. In a statement, Mayorkas said that a Border Patrol facility is no place for a child and that FEMA would work to receive, shelter, and transfer unaccompanied minors until their immigration case can be processed. The Secretary's directive is for the next 90 days as border agencies deal with a record number of illegal border crossings, many of them being unaccompanied minors. Representative John Kako says adding those responsibilities to FEMA will take away resources from their vaccination efforts. The New York Republican tells Fox News that the order could impact many Americans. That crisis was created by Biden's executive order, so there's no doubt the disorder at the border was by executive order, and now they're peeling away precious resources from FEMA 
and American citizens who are, need to get inject, uh, have their vaccines and get the uh, personal protection equipment, everything, are may, maybe going to suffer because of a lack of attention. This is USA Radio News. The FDA is warning of false positives with COVID testing. The Food and Drug Administration issued the warning on Friday to facilities using Roche Diagnostics COBUS test. The system is widely used to screen large batches of test samples in hospitals and laboratories for both the coronavirus and flu. The agency warns that problems with the tests processing tubes could result in a false diagnosis and urge healthcare workers to run samples through multiple times to assure accuracy. From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. And Italy is set to begin a new round of lockdowns a year after the coronavirus first hit the nation. The government says it's trying to contain a new surge in cases fueled by new, more contagious variants. On Saturday, the country recorded more than 26,000 new coronavirus cases. In half of Italy's 20 regions, new restrictions begin on Monday, with non-essential shops closed and people allowed to leave their homes only for work or health reasons. The entire country will go under those restrictions over the Easter weekend. This is USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So it was inevitable as we explored the South Skinwalker Ranch, the MIB would rear their ugly heads. Go ahead, Trey. This woman was had all of the attributes or many of the attributes that, you know, Nick Redfern and others talk about with the men in black. She was dressed inappropriately, you know, for the environment. You know, she was in the middle of the woods in the wintertime wearing business attire, you know, somewhat snappy loafers and a blazer. She was acting very irregular, like she didn't understand how people communicate, missing nonverbal cues like good night you know we'll talk to you later she didn't pick up that we were trying to get her to go away and then oftentimes the reports have them not understanding social niceties or the way people interact and the manners i.e you don't urinate in front of a bunch of strangers that's just not something that you do so either this was like i said before a professional licensed individual having the worst night of her life or this was something mimicking an actual person. Either way, I decided not to pursue this woman because she would deny it either way. So that's just one of the very weird things that happened to us you know, at the Meadow that we're just going to have to put a big question mark. And maybe we'll never know exactly what happened with the mysterious businesswoman of the forest. 
did you guys ask if she needed any help or anything, you know, like, or, or did she just seem to be more like she was in control of the situation? She seemed very confident, didn't seem like she needed help, you know, had a, it drove a vehicle over there or left in her vehicle, you know, didn't seem to be in distress, I guess is, you know, kind of the, the, the key to that. She didn't seem to be distressed. She just seemed very weird and okay. off. And she talked about these monkey bears. Now, a quick search. There's something called a skunk ape that is sometimes referred to as a monkey bear. And I don't know if you guys have heard of those, but it purportedly uh, inhabits the forests and swamps of some southeastern United States, with Florida being the most common. Right. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that we, uh, you know, we wondered about is, you know, she referring to some sort of Sasquatch type creature, you know, that she has encountered why would they be living in an old structure now we did go down the next day we did go down this this deserted road you know we were never able to find anything did you notice any uh, foul smells or anything like that no no okay and apparently these things smell pretty bad which is right. nothing other than a bunch of people who had been out in the woods all weekend smelling but you know i'm kidding no yeah. we didn't <laughs> so this is very intriguing i'd like to go on with some more of the adventures, but let's talk a little bit about you and your group. Now, you're the director of the Oxford Paranormal Society and its Anomalous Studies and Observation Group, ASOG. Tell us a little bit about the group and how you got started and met the various people in it. Uh, the Oxford Paranormal Society has been around since 2006. Once I became established in my career and my family was established, I started to feel the flicker once again of the interest in the paranormal. So the Oxford Paranormal Society was uh, founded by three friends, and I sent them an email saying, you know, do you have an opening for another investigator? You know, here my, here's my background. You know, I would be interested in uh, joining the team. And for better or worse, they, uh, they took me up on that offer, and I spent, you know, several years investigating with them. And like a lot of things, the, uh, the founders, you know, started to become kind of burned out. You know, just kind of overwhelmed by years of, you know, trying to run a paranormal investigation group. So they decided to step back and offered me the directorship. We initially started investigating this region under the auspice of the Oxford Paranormal Society. And when we had all this very high strangeness starting to happen, we stepped back and said, you know, our protocols just are not robust enough to really address this. Also, that the kind of skill sets that you need to deal with this kind of stuff is a little bit beyond what you need to go investigate a haunted house. You know, you're not sitting in a pristine environment under a roof, you know, with the heater going. You know, this is very austere, remote area. So we created a division known as the Anomalous Studies and Observation Group. Most of the people in ASOG, uh, like I said before, are, are either from the military, law enforcement. We've got some folks with a special operations background, intelligence, a lot of medical folks. So they're all very solid, educated, fact-driven folk. Very reliable, very, very credible. And that makes us really unique, in my opinion, that we can bring that, those skill sets and that degree of uh, credibility to the situation and, and research it. Well, you see what happens here. You jump in and you volunteer into one of these things you're sucked in. Do you have a family? What's the reaction to your trip into the paranormal here? My wife is one of ambivalence. 
she, you know, realized I was a bit eccentric when we got married. So she, she just sort of goes along with it. My eldest daughter is interested in it and has been on several uh, standard paranormal type investigations with us. My youngest daughter is cautiously aloof about it. She's currently in nursing school, so she's you know ha- has her hands absolutely full with trying to uh, to get through the nursing program at university. And they're supportive and are interested in what I do, but not necessarily involved with what I do. So you guys were at, went out in uh, July of 2016, and again in February of 2017. So now we're in 2021. What have you guys been doing between 2017 and now? Well, we went back in April of 2018, and something we try not to do is oversaturate this area with back-to-back investigations. Sometimes when you over-investigate somewhere, it'll it'll peter out. The phenomena will start to dissipate. So we you know, gave it a little bit of time between uh, February and April of uh, the next year. So we went back in April of 2018, about a year, and decided we were going to do something a little bit different. We're still trying to figure out exactly what is going on here. One of my team members had been doing a lot of uh, research in that region, and part of his research is he was pouring over a lot of aerial photographs. Now, he found a field very similar to the meadow, about seven miles away, very remote. You could only get to it by hiking in. And we thought it would be very interesting if we went and backpacked into this remote field and did research there to see if we had the same kind of phenomena going on there as we did back at the meadow, the primary meadow. So we spent about seven miles and most of the day overland hiking, you know, to this remote meadow. And we, we got there and very similar to our primary meadow it was very, very pristine, very bucolic, very nice. Uh, we were able to set up our camp, uh, which consisted of several of us uh, with hammocks and one individual with a tent. And we set up camp in a, a fire break. Now, a lot of times in forest, you know, heavily wooded forest, is the Department of Natural Resources will go through and bulldoze or cut a fire break, which is about 10 feet wide of stripped of vegetation so fires won't jump and burn up other parts of the forest. So the, uh, the gentleman with a tent set up in the fire break, and we set up adjacent to it in our hammocks. Very quiet evening, didn't really encounter much until later that night. In the middle of the night, two of my members noticed a white beam of light shooting down the middle of the firebreak. They said that this beam of light did not match the uh, optical signatures, did not look like a headlamp or a flashlight. It was like a, a very intense beam down the middle of the firebreak. And then it just winked out. Uh, one team member also noticed that he saw a glowing reddish-orange glow in the western sky in the morning. Now, obviously, it wasn't the sun because the sun doesn't rise in the west, but it was a very deep reddish glow before daylight. When we woke up the next day, we prepared our uh, our meals and started packing up our gear to return back to base or return to our extraction point where somebody would meet us and drive us back to base camp. One of my team members noticed something very unusual with his backpack, and this was the gentleman that had set up in the fire break. Before he had went to bed, he had set his backpack straight up on the fire break, resting on its hip belt uh, by itself. When he woke up the next morning, there was a stick that had been intertwined underneath the left or right side of his backpack. Let's do a break here and we'll continue with Trey, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. 
Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203, 877-878-4203. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made, with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. 
That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value free by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours free, 2020safe.net. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Oh, this is fun. We're way out in the woods somewhere. A strange right. trip through. Maybe you're in another dimension. That's what's happening. <laughs> you're, you're splitting off into another dimension. Continue, Trey. Well, you know, somebody said something about going on a three-hour tour, and we all know how that ends. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, we were talking about my uh, colleague's uh, backpack. Uh, his name is Terry. He's uh, with the, uh, the group from Carolina that has been researching with us. He's an electrical engineer by trade. Uh, once again, a very sober, you know, logic-minded individual. And he was telling, telling us about what he found with his pack. Is he had a stick that was placed under the right hand side hip belt on his pack as it rested on the ground and came across and was resting on the top of the left hand side of the hip belt, like it had been woven through the hip belt. We looked for you know, where could this stick or limb had come from? You know, it couldn't have fallen from a tree and worked itself up under one side of the, the backpack. That wouldn't make any sense. Did he set his backpack down and somehow got tangled up on it as he placed it on the ground? There were no corresponding uh, trees or anything in this fire break. It was devoid of vegetation. It's almost like someone or something had purposely woven that stick uh, under and over his hip belt to try to tell us something. Now, what exactly that message was, we don't know to this day, but it was very, very, very strange. So we gathered up our gear, packed up, radioed back to base camp and told them to meet us at an extraction point if they would send a vehicle to come get us which they did, he took us back to base camp. Well, we had several members of the team that did not go out on this uh, this hike. They stayed back at the base camp and did their own research into the meadow. That Saturday morning, before we had returned, two team members, uh, Chris and Daryl, had gone back out to the meadow, and they noticed something very odd while they were there. Is they noticed what looked like track marks from a vehicle. When I say track, I'm talking about like two parallel lines of compressed vegetation. The strange thing about this, it's almost as though something was dropped into the meadow, traveled a distance, and then was lifted out. And you had vegetation that was 12 to 18 inches high. So you only you had a very definitive start of this compression of the vegetation and then a definitive ending of it. They, they took a closer look. And it's worth noting that quite a few of the team members are trained in man tracking. So they know how to track people and things through the forest. So they got down and they looked at these track marks, which were about, you know, the six feet, you know, apart from one another, almost akin to an automobile or a vehicle. The grass was not crushed. It was bent over. There were small molehills and anthills and small saplings inside of these tracks that weren't compressed that weren't disturbed. So what you're talking about is almost like two linear crop circle-like formations that begin, run a distance, and then stop. 
like something that came down from the sky and and then went along a little ways and then took off again. Uh, perhaps, or just something created these two linear anomalies, you know, from afar, you know, like crop circles, you know, something might not actually land there. It just creates this disturbance in the vegetation. So this, you know, this obviously was very interesting. So two more team members decided to go out later that afternoon with a full spectrum camera and photograph this area because we had noticed from a fact that we had taken the year before during the February outing, there was something that appeared to be a cryptic creature in one of the photographs from 2017 watching us from the edge of the meadow during the daytime when we were out there exploring the meadow. So they were very interested to get back out there with their full-spectrum camera and see what they could find. So they approached these anomalous tracks and are looking around, you know, through the viewfinder of the full-spectrum camera. And near the end of these tracks, they start to notice another box had formed. You know, and this one was a bit smaller. It was about three meters by three meters by three meters. And so they see it through the viewfinder of their full-spectrum camera. And they move to one side and it disappears. So they go back to their original location and there it is. And so they decided, well, we're going to take some photographs of this. And as soon as they went to take the photographs, they had realized they had forgot to put the SIM card in the camera. So that just goes to show you even seasoned researchers sometimes pretty significant (laughs) mistakes. Every time... Almost every time you hear stories of people trying to use cameras in connection with paranormal research, the batteries don't work. Or like you say, the SIM card is forgotten. There's always something weird going on. Oh, we have had so many, you know, equipment failures, you know, here. As recently as, you know, within the past year, you know, I would have a GoPro that would work fine at base camp, would malfunction as soon as I got close to the meadow, it wouldn't work, and then when I would get back, it works fine. I've had a night vision camera do the same thing. It works fine at base camp, get out to the meadow, doesn't work at all. We've had expensive uh, FLIR units get absolutely fried. We had about a $2,000 uh, drone have one of its uh, main circuitry cards get damaged. Uh, so just, yeah, yeah, all kinds of weird stuff happens, uh, you know, not only in this place but in others. Well, that kind of suggests some kind of EM interference, doesn't it? I mean, that's the only thing that can really do that. So, I mean, it it sounds like we're dealing, well, I suppose nature can produce EM, but I mean, it sounds like it's interfering with technology. Right. And that's that's a good point. One of the things that we do is we take baselines every time we go out uh, using primarily uh, three things, uh, RF, radio frequencies, EMF. In radiation, you know, these are three phenomenologies that we test, and we haven't seen any kinds of spikes in EM or RF, but we have seen spikes in radiation, which is very odd. And we've seen spikes in radiation at the same time that we've had some strange things happen. Well, that's interesting because spikes in radiation shouldn't really, there shouldn't really be spikes no. in radiation. That should be just sort of background. Right. I mean, there, there could be an area that would have more radiation than others, but you could typically identify that. Right. Like if you were in a formation where there was uranium naturally right. occurring right. or something, right. it, it wouldn't just spike all of a sudden and then go away. Right, exactly. So, you know, what we're trying to do is focus on, 
you know, what's a phenomenology? You know, and if we can determine there's a particular phenomenology, not only can we validate maybe what's going on, but maybe we can predict it. You know, if we see one of these spikes, maybe it's indicative of something getting ready to happen. So, you know, we we try to look at this not only from an experiential perspective, but also from a more empirical perspective. So, you know, we're trying to approach this, you know, from different ways to see what we can, uh, you know, figure out, maybe uh, determine what exactly is going on. So we did go back that evening, uh, back to the meadow, and we had some... uh, some things we captured on film, and one of them was a large hulking figure with very broad shoulders watching us from the tree line that was picked up on FLIR. And I have a photograph of that uh, pulled off the FLIR footage uh, in the book. So, uh, you know, that was pretty much it for April 2018. We didn't really have anything else go on, uh, you know, that time. That quiet rest of the evening is. You know, if we really needed anything else to go on, it was certainly strange enough from our perspective. And we returned back in uh, November of 2019. So we're starting to become a little bit more contemporary now as we're moving forward in time. In 2019, uh, we decided we were going to try something different. As I mentioned before, my background is as a paranormal investigator. Well, in the paranormal investigation world, we have something uh, called ghost boxes. And I'm sure folks have probably seen those on the ghost TV shows. And, you know, there's always been a lot of controversy that people hear what they want to hear. You know, they they want a response. So they hear some jumbled up sounds and they make it into the words that they want the response to be. So there's a uh, protocol that was developed uh, several years ago called the Estes Protocol. And what you do with the Estes Protocol is you take a uh, ghost box, which jumps around the FM frequencies, and you plug a set of sound-canceling earbuds into it. And you have a, a person who acts as a receiver. They put these earbuds in their ears, and then over that, they put a set of shooting muffs. So they can't hear anything going on other than what's coming out of the ghost box. And they're also blindfolded. So they are acting as almost like as a human translator for whatever comes out of the ghost box. And their instructions are, whatever they hear, if it is an intelligible word... They are to repeat it. So if they hear rutabaga, they just say rutabaga when they hear it. They don't know what questions are being asked. They don't know, you know, what's going on in the environment around them. And they certainly don't know how their responses tie into anything else. So we did an SD session uh, at the Meadow. We'll get into that session in our next segment with Trey, Gene, and Randall. The book is The Meadow Project Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Trey, tell us about this session. What happened? Well, we uh, had a series of questions that we decided we would ask and see if anything you know, wanted to communicate with us, you know, through this, uh, you know, through this procedure. And much to our surprise, it appeared as though something did. Something was trying to communicate with us. It responded to our questions about the boxes and the portals. And when I started asking questions about, you know, what kind of phenomenologies, you know, were responsible for these portals, you know, was it electromagnetic fields, you know, and radiation combined, or was it you know, plasma and electromagnetic fields, perhaps like, you know, some scientists have speculated uh, small singularities exist in our upper atmosphere from the uh, sun's magnetic fields and uh, plasma. Whatever it is we were talking to through, you know, the Estes protocol started becoming very agitated, you know, very, I'm not going to say angry, but very put upon, you know, very impatient. The, the cool thing is we had this whole session on film. Uh, and in the book, uh, obviously, I can't put a film in the book, but I have a transcript of that session so people can actually read, you know, what the questions were and what the responses. Interesting. OK, you lost me a little bit on the uh, when this was. Is this still on the April 8, 2018 uh, mission? Uh, uh, no, this is November 2019. Oh, OK, so we're into November 2019 now. OK. Mm-hmm. OK, thanks. So no problem. So that was uh, that was pretty much the highlight of that expedition. Uh, and we returned back to the meadow just a few months later in uh, January of 2020. So we're you know we're just about a year out. Now, this is you know fairly recent. Uh, we did not we were not able to have a whole lot of members uh, show up at that particular uh, outing. It was just uh, about three of us. And we didn't have enough to really do investigations in a safe manner. So we decided we would just have a nice camping trip, you know, with the three of us and enjoy each other's company. You know, just kind of have a quiet, quiet weekend. 
But we did decide to go out and, as we usually do, go out and take some baseline readings. And one thing that my research partner, Kristen, who's an emergency room nurse, she and I decided we were going to cross a creek to the north of the meadow and explore what was on the other side. And we crossed the creek, and somehow I became very disoriented and thought that I had discovered a new meadow, you know, a new field on the other side of the creek, when in fact I had come back and was in the original meadow that I started at. Now, a little bit of my background, I'm an Eagle Scout. Uh, I've earned the Boy Scouts 50-miler award for paddling and backpacking three times. That's 50 consecutive miles. So I've done long-range hiking and paddling. I'm a former Army intelligence officer. I'm a, I've hunted big game in Africa and in North America. I've spent most of my life in the woods. So I, you know, I just don't get twisted around that often. Was this at night, though? No, during the day. Oh, God. Okay. So, you know, I thought I might have had you there. <laughs> no, but no, during the during the day. This, this does not make too much sense. Then, no, it? no. And I've been to this meadow, you know, probably 50 times. So I walk back into the meadow and I'm thinking it's a new place. And I, you know, I'm telling Kristen, I said, hey, you know, I found this new field over here. It's really cool. Come over and look at it. And she said, well, well just stay where you're at. I'll be right there. And she came over and she goes, you're in the meadow. I said, yeah, no, I'm in a new meadow. She goes, no, no, this is the meadow. You so it's ended- like you walked through some sort of, of, you know, again, I mean, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Something. Yeah, it was, I was totally disoriented. And base camp radioed back and they said, you know, okay, you know, give us an update. And Kristen's like, okay, Trey's really disoriented. And they became concerned, you know, much like. This wasn't too far from the place where Bob had experienced his missing time several years prior. And they were concerned and they, you know, got on the radio and said, are you okay? And I said, guys, just give me about 10 minutes. Okay. I'm really confused and disoriented right now. Just give me some time to get my wits about me. And as I stood there, I became, you know, less and less disoriented. When we got back, we had a data logger running with one of our Geiger counters. The baseline of radiation for that area is about 0.05 microsieverts of radiation, which is you know a very low level. You know it's it's background, but at the moment that this disorientation happened, it spiked up to 0.33 microsieverts. Once again, not a dangerous amount of radiation, but from an empirical standpoint, it was a significant increase over 0.05, so six times as much. So, very interestingly, that happened when I became disoriented. And I started thinking about this, is if we hadn't have been following our protocols of having another individual with us when we research, always have a map and compass, a GPS, and radio communications with Basecamp, if we hadn't have followed those protocols, would I have ended up as a chapter in one of Dave Polite's Missing 411 books? Is that's what is that happening to these people when they become missing and disappear in America's forest lands? Was I almost a victim? Thankfully, we won't ever know. Well, the forests are strange places. You know, like I had mentioned earlier in the show, two other friends of mine and I experienced something very similar. Uh, one of them just sort of writes it off as being, you know, kind of overtired. The other one, I mean, we looked at each other when it happened and we went, yeah, that was totally, I don't know how to explain that, but it involved 
a, a change in in the time of day that happened almost instantaneously. So, I mean, strange things do happen, and the forest seems to be one of the favorite places for it to happen. Uh, yeah, and I think you know part of that is we're not as distracted. You know, when we're in the forest, we don't have the the overstimuli that we have in an urban area. You know, sounds and lights and people and noises and stresses and all of that. I think we're maybe a little bit more in tune to what's going on around us when we're in the forest. And also, forests uh, these areas are more pristine. You know, they haven't been paved over, they haven't been built on. They haven't been encroached upon, and they're allowed to exist in their natural and pristine, you know, nature. So, yeah, and the, there's a you know a, a wide history, a wide number of uh, strange areas or strange epicenters in the forest, you know, throughout the world, and this is just one of many. Why did you guys like choose to go out at night so often? It was is was it just because it was like, hey, you know, like we've got this equipment and we want to use it, so let's go out and be cool and check this out and, and do this mission? Or you know, was there a specific purpose for for doing the nighttime expeditions? Yeah, good question. Good question. Uh, one of the things that is reported in this region and that we have seen ourselves are strange lights. In the forest, flashes like uh, orbs, you know, beams of light. So our rationale is, uh, where was I? Uh, you were just explaining why you guys decided to go out oh. at night. Okay. We go out at night primarily because some of the reports in this region are of strange lights in the forest. You know, be they flashes of light orbs, or in the case when we were backpacking, a beam of light, you know, shooting down the uh, fire break. So our rationale is if we go out during the day, that these strange, you know, luminous uh, anomalies might not be detected because of the sunlight. So we think that we have a better chance of detecting some of this stuff if it's at night. That makes perfect sense. And a lot of a lot of strange phenomena does seem to to happen at night, although there are daylight sightings as well. Are there reports of anything like daylight discs or creatures that have been seen during the day or missing time during the day? Uh, in this area, there have been reports of uh, daytime uh, creature sightings. There have been some reports in this general region of daylight uh, UAP sightings. But there's also a, a whole lot of reports of uh, luminosity, you know, strange lights in the forest. So the book is called The Metal Project Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. The author with us is Trey Hudson. The forward to the book was written by Angelia Shear. And by the way, Trey will be back on this weekend's edition of After the Paracast. That show only available if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to the Paracast.plus for more information. With Trey, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The stress levels of Americans may be at an all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be your go-to pain relief solution. Give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain. Give love and care by giving the best. Give pillows, neck wraps, and body wraps from sunny-bay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, Trey Hudson, I do notice that you're using the acronym UAP as opposed to UFO. 
Any preference or are you just trying to be current? Just trying to be current. I mean, you know, UAP has become, you know, if you will, the official, you know, terminology, you know, from the government. So we don't know if these things are objects. And the reason I use UAP, phenomena versus object, is the more I think about this and the more I ponder it, is perhaps these aren't objects in the traditional sense of what we understand objects are. You know, maybe they're uh, ultra-dimensional things that come into our existence that might not be an actual object in the way we understand objects as far as things having mass, height, width, and breadth. So I think UAP is maybe a little bit more accurate terminology, and that's just, uh, you know, that's just my preference. Interesting. Yeah, right. UFO is a very specific term. It was created by the military. It's still found in many military documents. UAP, they started using as well, but that kind of seemed to originate with a a group called NARCAP. Mm -hmm. And so they differentiate UAP from UFOs. And so sometimes people get mixed up. I think it's important for people to not get mixed up. And that means if you're talking about UAP, you may not, you might not be talking about, just as you pointed out, some sort of an alien craft. But when you're talking about a UFO, you're talking about an alien craft. Right, right. And, you know, if I see a light in the sky, it's a light in the sky. I don't know if it's attached to an object or not. So it's a UAP, a phenomenon. Right, exactly. Yeah, in the old days, they just say, okay, well, that's that. That can be put into a UFO report. That doesn't mean the object in the report was a UFO. It was just some strange light in the sky. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're on the same page there. With our very very limited staff that we had with us back in uh, January of 2020, uh, that was about all that happened to us, you know, other than, you know, me being very, you know, very rattled by that and still you know, a bit you know, flummoxed by exactly what happened. We uh, decided to go back in June of 20 of 2020. And we were not able to camp at our usual campsite, the uh, Cold Springs campground. We were had to set up in a place called the Pendergrass. I mean, not the Pendergrass, the uh, Baskins Hollow Hunt Camp. And the reason for that is we were right in the midst of COVID. And the state had closed off the... Uh, actual designated campsites. So you were only able to do what they call dispersed camping. So we set up a few miles away from our uh, our normal uh, base of operations and had a uh, pretty quiet evening and weekend. We had decided we were going to try the uh, CE5 protocol, which was developed by Dr. Stephen Greer. And we went out to the meadow and, you know, did the CE5, CE5 protocol and really didn't have much happen, other than we noticed a lot of things that appeared to be satellites traversing the sky east to west, north to south, about 50 or 60 of them, a very high number. And we went back to our camp, and our base camp operator that had stayed behind because he was had some medical issues where he wasn't able to go out with us, he said that he had a very strange thing happen to him. Yes, he is sitting there, you know, in the middle of the night, pitch black, and he hears a vehicle coming down the uh, road there in the nature preserve that was adjacent to our camp. And anybody that's ever heard a vehicle drive down a, a remote gravel road, it makes a very distinctive sound. 
So he heard this sound of a vehicle or what he thought was a vehicle coming towards him or coming towards our camp. And so he waited to see the headlights of the vehicle and none ever appeared. This particular area at night, on a moonless night, it's pitch black. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. And it would be virtually impossible to someone drive a vehicle down this road at night unless they had the most advanced military night vision equipment available. And even then it would be very foolhardy. So you boil that down and what he heard was something pass by our camp, not admitting any lights, not making any sound than something that appeared or something that sounded like uh, the crunching of gravel. He also noticed at this time he was running his Geiger counter as there was a, a small radiation spike at this time. Once again, distinctly different than the background radiation. Once again, we have a strange radiation spike. Let me back up a little bit. When we were doing our Estes sessions, whenever the entity would answer, is we would have radiation spikes going from about 0.05 microsieverts to 0.12 microsieverts, doubling. So we're starting to see a pattern that whenever we have anomalous things happening, we have these little tiny radiation spikes. The rest of the evening was uh, uneventful, other than some of our vehicles locking and unlocking themselves, which was very, very weird. The next morning, I had one of my team members, uh, as we were getting ready to pack up and return home, said, Trey, I want to tell you something that happened to me last night. He said, I woke up about 4.30, and I had these two words just in my, in my mind. And these two words were Knox Magby. And phonetically spelled N-O-X-M-A-G-B-E-E. And once again, I woke up at 6.30 with these same words in, in my mind. This individual that's on our team is a uh, graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy, has an engineering degree, uh, spent several years in U.S. Air Force Special Operations, and uh, now does various other things. This was after we had done the CE5 protocol. So we all packed up and went home, and I started doing a little research. I found out that the word Nox, N-O-X, is the Roman goddess of the night, the night goddess. The word Magby turned, to be, turned out to be a bit more elusive. And I found a word in Old English, Magba, which was used in the early Middle Ages, which was almost contemporaneous with the Roman occupation of Britain. The Romans had just left during the early Middle Ages, so the term Magba and Knox were contemporaneous. Magba is translated into children or kindred. So you put the two words together and you have children of the night goddess. Now, what has been known to come to people in their bedrooms at night that are associated with UAPs that look like children? Oh, I guess ask Willie Stryber, right? Yeah, it's right on the cover of his book, Communion. Coincidence? I don't know. Okay, so you think we're having aliens here then. Now we're talking alien visitation. Perhaps. Uh, perhaps. It's, it's worth noting that after our strange experiences uh, with the boxes forming you know, in the field and everything, after that, one of our team members uh, told me that they were having nightmares after that weekend of people coming into their bedroom and standing over their bed. 
which there's no reason this person should have nightmares about that because that was nothing like what we experienced several years prior. Let us leave the nightmares for a moment and take a deep breath. More to come with Trey, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced Saturday that FEMA will begin to assist with housing the influx of unaccompanied minors at the southern border. In a statement, Mayorkas said that a Border Patrol facility is no place for a child and that FEMA would work to receive, shelter, and transfer unaccompanied minors until their immigration case can be processed. The Secretary's directive is for the next 90 days as border agencies deal with a record number of illegal border crossings, many of them being unaccompanied minors. Representative John Katko says adding those responsibilities to FEMA will take away resources from their vaccination efforts. The New York Republican tells Fox News that the order could impact many Americans. That crisis was created by Biden's executive order, so there's no doubt the disorder at the border was by executive order, and now they're peeling away precious resources from FEMA and American citizens who need to get injected have their vaccines and get the personal protection equipment everything, uh, maybe going to suffer because of the lack of attention. This is USA Radio News. An apparent warning over COVID from Washington is not being well received in Florida. Mike Fortier reports from the USA Radio News Florida Bureau. When President Biden addressed the nation Thursday night to mark one year since COVID came to our shores, he seemed to issue a warning. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, and we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. That remark not sitting well with Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who responded Friday. Let me just tell you, there's no lockdowns in Florida, okay? We're not let anybody close. We're not going to let anyone close schools. We're not going to let anyone take your jobs. And we're not going to let anyone close your business. So don't worry about that in Florida. The numbers may back up Florida's approach of defying lockdowns. Despite the presence of the B117 variant strain and concerns of a post-Super Bowl spike, COVID cases are still declining. Time will tell if spring break will reverse those gains. From the USA Radio News Florida Bureau, I'm Mike Fortier. And this is USA Radio News. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pounty Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. 
So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exactly according to my plan. Ah, nightmares. You never know about those things. Trey Hudson, author of Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch, published by Philip Mantle's Flying Disc Press. It's not a big book, but it's filled with lots of incredible information. Trey, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, we had the, the, the Knox Magby, you know, terminology coming up. We had, uh, like I said uh, previously, we had a, a member experiencing nightmares of people being in their room, uh, working over them while they were asleep. So we went back as recently as 2021 and decided to once again not focus on the meadow, but go away from the meadow a little bit and explore another area. And I was able to videotape uh, a couple of what I think may be uh, UAPs. There were lights in the sky that did not behave nor present themselves like the numerous aircraft that we videotaped. So I had these on video that I had to uh, clean up the video a little bit and do a little more analysis. But we are continuously researching this area, and the phenomena seems to be maybe evolving, you know, in some way. So it is just absolutely anybody's guess what we will experience next time we go out. These radiation detectors that you're using, are they tuned to specific frequencies? Because, I mean, radiation is a, it's kind of an overarching term, but it it spans a wide range of frequencies. So I'm just wondering, you know, when you're using the term radiation, are you using a specific instrument yeah. that is tuned to a specific frequency? Yeah, it, it's actually measuring a radi- radiation, you know, in microsieverts with a uh, Mueller-Geiger tube. So, you know, it is, it is radiation, you know, like if you, like you get when you have an X-ray. Okay, that that would be like particle radiation then yes. as well. Yeah. I mean, but then again, EM, yeah, e, well, EM, when you start talking microsieverts and sieverts and so on. Uh, yes, it's, it's the, uh, you know, these devices measure, you know, radiation, you know, just like you would receive when you have an X-ray. You know, my wife is a retired radiation therapist, so, you know, she and I have talked a little bit about this. And we determined that microsieverts, you know, was a good uh, unit of measure. So it's, okay. you know, it's actually radiation, you know, that we're detecting these, these very tiny spikes. Like I said, nothing dangerous or harmful, but, you know, in, in an empirical sense, it's, it's certainly enough enough for us to take notice. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to try and clarify that because, I mean, radiation, electromagnetic radiation is also radiation. It, right. It's just that there's a whole different span of frequencies and, right. and you know, sources of it. Yeah. So, so are microwaves, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, but, and, and, you know, there's neutron radiation and then there's uh, just photon radiation. Right. So we've got two different kinds. We're dealing with 
you know, that we're dealing with in, in these cases. So, all right. So we kind of got into the to the theory there that p- perhaps we're dealing with some sort of alien visitation. Now, do you think that this that these aliens are causal of the phenomena, or do you think maybe they're just they're studying it just like you guys are? That is an excellent. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Uh, the wonderful John Keel uses the term uh, ultra dimensionals, you know, because he wondered if perhaps that these entities were. Or he uses ultra-terrestrials, that these entities were beyond our world and somehow. I like a term, paradimensional, you know, that these things perhaps come outside of our dimension. And maybe they're not coming from somewhere else. Maybe they're coming from here, but just in another dimension. So I started thinking about that. And I went back and I read a lot of uh, of articles on quantum physics and my, my background in psychology. So a lot of it was beyond me. But I tried to gather a good layman's grasp of this. And if you believe in a string theory where you have different realities, almost like a string or a rope, or you believe in or, or take the, the attitude that we have brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, which are dimensions hanging, you know, like a sheet, you know, like a, a bed sheet hanging on a clothesline. And all of these dimensions and existences uh, all uh, occupy the same space in a much larger dimension. Now, what if that these strings or brains get so close to one another that they almost touch that like the the tiniest distance between two things is all that exists between these two points that these, these, the dimensions aren't colliding with one another, but they're very close. Now, what if this is a natural occurrence? If this is a natural occurrence, these other entities, if this is what they are, could perhaps exploit that. Like we exploit a natural bridge across or a tree across a river. You know, we exploit that natural occurrence. Maybe they're exploiting a natural occurrence. And maybe in order to open this up wide enough to pass through, they have to use a lot of energy to stabilize it. And that maybe is what we're picking up with our instruments. Or what if they somehow have determined a way to artificially create this? Like we're no longer using a tree trunk across a river. We're building a bridge. So we're manufacturing a conveyance. So maybe they're using a lot of energy to create these little rifts and they're exploiting that riff. Interesting. Uh, One of the things that we talk about on the show from time to time along these lines is that maybe they're not doing any of that and they're having from their side in their universe the same kind of experience and they're just like walking along through their forest and then all of a sudden some weird thing happens to them and they look over and, and see you know guys dressed in military garb looking at them and going we're not in Kansas anymore you know their version their version of Kansas, and then the whole thing is over, like like you say, a natural event, and they go back to talk to their people and go, "You wouldn't believe what just happened to me." You know, so I, basically, I going we, along, so what you're saying here, Randall, is basically we are their UFOs, and this reminds me of an article exactly. that Ray Palmer, when he was doing Flying Saucers magazine in the 50s and 60s, had an article whether the Martians, if there were Martians, 
had their own UFO phenomenon. In other words, our counterparts in another universe or other planet may have the same things happening to them that happened to us. Trey, what do you think? Well, that's possible. Let me throw a real kink into that. Okay, we were talking about string theory, you know, existences or our universe being a string. Well, what if that string loops around on itself and we are seeing ourselves in the meadow in 2020 in 2016? What if we're witnessing ourselves as the existence or reality loops back around itself and maybe touches right there with these two instances coincide? Interesting. Uh, yeah, not long ago we had uh, Dr. Michael Masters on, and he was talking about uh, a theory of time called block time, in which case exa- what you're saying might be hypothetically possible in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not to directly interact with it, but to detect it or have it be foreshadowed in some way. A very interesting, a very interesting idea, Trey. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the 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 real truth is we don't know. We don't know. Imagine, if you will, a ant hill, and the ants are going about their little ant business, and somebody decides to build a road through the forest. So you've got this blacktop going through the forest, and these ants are out there going to doing their little ant business, gathering you know stuff to bring back to the uh, ant hill, and they run across this this blacktop. They have no doggone idea what a road is. So they go up to this black, shimmering strip, this ribbon, and they start pushing pheromones out to communicate with it. Well, obviously, the road's not going to communicate back. So based on their existence, their life, their perceptions, they can't even conceptualize what a road is. You know, that's such a fascinating possibility. We've got one more segment. With Trey Hudson, then he'll join us for after the Paracast for some additional discussion. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting, alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we're looking Trey Hudson on the universe as seen by ants. Then we look at the universe as seen by teddy bear, my pet dog, or anything else. And therefore, consider how humans perceive UFOs and other phenomena at what level they're interacting with us. Is that where we're taking it? Right, exactly. You know, are we even able to conceptualize what we're seeing? Uh, you've heard of the wonderful book by uh, uh, Professor Rudy Rucker called Flatland, you know, which was mentioned in uh, the book Cosmos. Carl Sagan talked about it on the uh, Cosmos TV show. If you have a two-dimensional world and everybody in this two-dimensional world is either a point or a line, 
You know, they have length and width, but no depth. And you have a stool, a three-legged milking stool, hanging above this two-dimensional world in the third dimension, and it drops down into this world. And when it drops down, three legs appear as spots in this two-dimensional world. So these two-dimensional people are saying, wow, we've got these three spots. They're three separate things. But they really aren't three separate things. They're all part of the same thing. So now this milking stool falls over on its side. So now these points have become these elongated things, the two legs looking at it from the side and then the edge of the seat. So now these things have morphed into one object. So did two objects turn into one object? Well, no. It's all the same object. It's just we can't perceive it from our two-dimensional understanding. So as these beings, entities, craft, phenomena, whatever, come into our world, into our dimensions, you know, we are trying to pound square pegs into round holes and trying to morph these things and mold them into our understanding of the universe. And we might be completely off base. That's really interesting. We can maybe get into a little bit of that in after the Paracast. One of our semi-regular guests, Chris Rutkowski, and I, we just completely reject that whole idea of, of the flatland analogy. There is some flaws in it, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. later, because it's really interesting to talk about this stuff to try and figure out at least what might be possible. Even if we don't know what the actual case is, getting there requires that we come up with reasonable hypotheses that it is at least possible. Before we go there, I'd, I'd also just like to back up a little bit to when you guys were trying out the CE5 protocols, and that is CE5 by Greer. Now, Greer, he kind of co-opted the CE5 term because originally Close Encounters right. was coined by J. Allen Hynek, Hynek. And, it, and they had the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth kind. And the fifth kind in the Hynek Valley system includes positive or negative physical changes to the witness. Right. Now, th- that's completely different than Greer. Right. So, for those who maybe aren't familiar with Greer, describe this CE5 protocol and exactly what you guys were doing. Now, before oh. you do that, I want to just say, we don't really like to talk too much about Stephen Greer because he's kind of full of himself and he charges people to go on these crazy expeditions allegedly to see UFOs and then sign NDA so they can't talk about it. And I haven't heard much from him in recent years. Let's leave it that way, but let's talk about the issues. Trey? Yeah. Uh, you know, without getting into you know the personality of uh, Dr. Greer, uh, we'll just talk about you know the, the protocol. And the protocol is this. Uh, you and several like-minded individuals gather together and you project your intention to whatever that you would like for it to manifest itself, appear to you, you know, whatever the term you use, and that you are friendly, you mean it no harm, and all you do is wish to communicate and share knowledge. That sounds a little weird and new agey. I got it. I got it. I would say that that's an accurate description of it being weird and new agey, except for the fact that I was I was actually trained several years ago in coordinate remote viewing, CRV. Having gone through that and having experienced that and having worked actual cases where we remote viewed things, having read the documents that have been declassified by the CIA and also the documents that have been declassified from the uh, Stanford Research Institute, I understand that remote viewing is a way of taking the human existence and projecting it outside of our three dimensions 
to another place. Taking all that into account, I do believe that you can project your intention, that intentions and thoughts do have some sort of form, albeit not physical form, and you can possibly communicate or draw something into the area in which you know you are. So that's uh, the CE5 protocol. We're not locked into uh, you know our own little boxes. You know we're willing to step out there and try different things to see if we get results. So the CE5 is just a, yet another tool in our toolbox. We try things, and if they get results, good. We'll continue to use them. If they don't get results, then we'll push it aside and perhaps try something else. The C5, the Greer Protocols, if I recall correctly, there is that meditative sort of attempt to telepathically make a connection. But there's also, uh, in some cases that I've read about, the use of lights and and trying to attract them with various kinds of flashing lights and so on. Do you guys use any of that? We don't use the lights. One of the things that they recommended, wonder about the efficacy of it, is uh, certain tones that were recorded from crop circles. You know, there's been some speculation by the CE5 folks that that broadcast, you know, audibly can have some effect. So, you know, we you, try. You mean try. audio frequencies? Sorry. Yes, yes. If you take a tone generator out there or just uh, a recording? or Just a recording. Part of the protocol also talks about, of all things, using a CB radio. You know, CB is 11 meters, you know, in the shortwave. Just using that to broadcast intention, you know, and, and greetings. Who knows? You know, we'll probably continue to use it. We don't charge for it, and we're not, you know, paying to use it. So, you know, it's worth a shot. When do you plan to go out and do some more research in the area? Hopefully next month, sometime. But uh, we, we like to try to go out every few months if possible. You know, sometimes, like I said before, it might be a year before we get back out there. It, it's all of it's really dependent on people's schedules and, you know, what they have going on and, you know, if we can all get together at, at a specific time. Very interesting. And uh, we'll have to get you back on the show to update us on any of the progress you've made in your future explorations out there. Sure, absolutely. If our listeners want to get a hold of you, do you have a website they can check you out at? Oh, much to my eternal shame is the Oxford Paranormal website has not been kept up. I am not a webmaster. You know, that stuff is beyond me a bit. Uh, The best way to keep up with us is to go to the Oxford Paranormal Society Facebook group, which we do keep up. And uh, we have, you know, several people commenting and, you know, asking questions and things like that. So we're usually uh, found there. So that's uh, probably the best way. And the book, The Metal Project, Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch, I assume it's available from Amazon and all the usual offenders. Uh, yes, sir, it is. And of course, from the Flying Disc Press website that Philip Mantle maintains. And by the way, I noticed that speaking of things that are done to enhance the brand by what that's flying this press.com. Philip is also selling t-shirts and other merchandise. He knows about merchandising. So that's really good to check that out. Speaking of merchandising, we do our own share of merchandising. We have official Paracast merchandise where we have four different logos. And if you go to the Paracast.shop, once again, the Paracast.shop, you can check out all sorts of merchandise, you know, the T-shirts and all sizes from mini-me up to seven-footers. So if you're a seven-footer, I think we got something for you if you're a seven-footer. Go to the paracast.shop, pick the logo, pick the merchandise, 
and enjoy. If you have comments about the service, let us know. We also offer the Paracast Plus. What's that? We offer the After the Paracast podcast, and our guest this week, Trey Hudson, will be on with more interesting stuff and to answer the questions we didn't get a chance to ask him now because he's got so much to talk about. And that's part of the Paracast Plus, the After the Paracast podcast. We also offer this show free of the network ads and better quality audio. All this for a low price. Check out the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. And we still have a few coupon codes for a free download of the phenomenon, the James Fox UFO documentary with three extra hours of material. You have to sign up for five years or a lifetime, which works fine because the Paracast has been around 15 years so far. Go to the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Trey Hudson, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a, uh, a true joy and honor to be here. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.